Welcome to Hot Girls Code, a podcast all about software development and being a woman in tech. I am your host, Audie. And I'm your host, Lola. Welcome to our third and final part of our series, Let's Get Hot Girls Coding. In this episode, we're going to talk a bit about different programming languages, which ones are popular, and how you pick which language you want to learn when you're starting out. Before we get into the episode, we wanted to say a big thank you to everyone, because we actually went live with the first episode this week. Woohoo! Oh my gosh, it was so exciting. For those of you who don't know, we have actually been working on this podcast for months now. So episode one was recorded a wee while ago, and it's very exciting to actually release it into the world, you know? It's like this beautiful baby that we've created, and we're finally setting it free. Setting, setting it out to the world, and it's crazy to see, you know, the amount of people listening to it. We did not expect that at all, and it's been so nice to have such wonderful feedback. So many people from different walks of life have messaged us about the podcast. Like people I went to primary school with are like, hey, really like your podcast. And I'm like, oh, thank you. And also like complete strangers, which is like even more exciting. And we've had listeners in places like France. So if you're from France and you're listening, hi. Bonjour. Bonjour. <laughs> Bonjour, mon ami. <laughs> I'm sorry. <laughs> I didn't mean to offend our French fans. And if you are still listening right now, to episode five like thank you so much for continuing to listen like that's crazy um so yeah thank you guys for tuning in and we hope that you continue to listen to what we have to say <laughs> maybe <laughs> maybe take it with a grain of salt i uh, totally thank you all so much for your patience while we try and learn how to do this because we don't know what we're doing we have never done a podcast before or had any experience in this really so it's it's definitely been a big learning experience for us both and it's so exciting, but it's also really terrifying trying something so new so publicly. But it has been amazing. We've had some awesome feedback from episode one, even hearing from, you know, 40, 50 year old men saying they really related to the content about finding it hard when you start coding and feel like there's it's overwhelming. You have so much stuff to learn. Yeah. And it's been really helpful, I think, to remind people that um, hot girl is a state of mind. So even if you don't feel like a hot girl, like maybe you're a 50 year old man and you don't feel like a hot girl, you're a hot girl on the inside. It's the inside that counts. Hot girl is a mindset. Just just bear that in mind. Nothing to do with physical appearance. <laughs> exactly. But yes, from the bottom of our hearts, thank you all so, so much. We really appreciate all the support. And we're super excited to keep pumping episodes out for you guys. So make sure that you tune in and follow us on Spotify so that we know you're actually having a good time and enjoy listening. <laughs> That's enough about us. Let's dive into this week's episode all about coding languages. Before we dive straight into programming languages, we thought it would be useful to explain two of the main types of software development that are popular. There are so many more types of programming both within and outside of these two main categories, but most software development does fall into these two things, front-end and back-end. A super high-level explanation is that the front-end is about using code to make a website or app look pretty, and the back-end is about code that actually makes it work and the logic behind the scenes. Now, let's look at it a bit more closely. So, as I said, front-end focuses on the coding of elements and features that will then be seen by the user. It's about making sure that the visual aspects of a website or an app are functional. You care about what the user sees and making sure that the site is easy to interact with while also running smoothly. I always joke that front-end development is the stuff that's easier to explain to your parents because you can point to a button and be like, look, look, mum, I made that button. And then they look at it and be like, why'd that take you weeks? And you're like, go away. See that button? 
<laughs> yeah, literally. I've shown like friends work before and then they like kind of look at me and I'm like, yeah, that button took me like a week. It was really hard. So if you thought front end gets dismissed by parents, well, back end is even worse because it focuses more on what the user can't see. So while users don't directly interact with the back end of a website, the front end applications that they do use then talks to a back end. So back end development deals a bit more with storing and processing and arranging data while also ensuring that the front end is functioning well. And honestly, back-end development can be broken down into a lot of other little types, but we won't go into that now. So the main two that you need to know are back-end and front-end. Both of us are full-stack developers, which means both front-end and back-end, but you can specialise in one or the other if you want. So that was just a super quick, simplified explanation of what front-end and back-end development are. And it's important to know because when you talk about some popular coding languages, you'll hear that some are specifically for the front-end and some are for the back-end. We just wanted to make Make sure you understood what we mean when we say that. Now that we understand those terms, let's talk about programming languages. Coding languages, or programming languages, are used to write commands for a computer. These are then run, which means they are translated into something the computer can interpret, which is called assembly language. And then the computer tries to do those commands. Every programming language has its own syntax. And if you remember from our last episode, syntax refers to the set of rules that define a structure of a language. Kind of like how in French you have different rules for forming a sentence than in English. It's almost impossible to read or understand a programming language without its syntax. So we know we need to understand the syntax, but there are just so many different kinds of programming languages out there, and it can be really overwhelming. I know when I first started software, I just couldn't keep track of all these languages and like when you're meant to use them, which ones I should learn, and it's really kind of overwhelming. Oh my gosh, I felt exactly the same. I felt like I needed to know what all of them were and what they did, and I felt so awkward and embarrassed when people would, you know, bring up the latest coding language they had learned about or heard about or they're trying, and I'd never even heard about it. But hey, guess what? Turns out, wasn't actually that important. Once you've learned one or two coding languages, it sets the foundation to learning the others and it becomes so much easier to like read through the documentation online and then apply it for yourself. And as we'll talk about a bit later, you'll also find that some languages can be really similar to each other. So you can really build off your knowledge on one language to learn something entirely new. So we've established that we both found the sheer number of languages out there super overwhelming when we started, but why do we even have so many? Well, there isn't just one coding language because there are so many different things you want to do with computers, and also on that note, different kinds of computers. So each coding language has been designed by people often with particular tasks in mind. And quite often they are reactions to things that are missing in other languages. A great example of this is how different languages handle variables and their data types. Remember in our last episode we talked about data types? If you can't remember, data types refer to the classifications of data. Basically, what kind of data it is, like a number or a word. In some programming languages like Java, each variable must have a data type, so like integer or string, but in other languages like JavaScript. No relation. <laughs> actually, no relation to Java, and Lola will have a fun fact for you later. Super fun. <laughs> so languages like JavaScript, you don't actually have to specify what data type a variable will contain. So you can just have a variable named Bob, 
and your program can throw whatever it wants at Bob. Bob equals 47? Sure. Bob equals San Francisco? We can have that. Bob equals false? Why not? (laughs) As an aside, the technical term for these languages that don't require the data type to be specified is dynamic. So JavaScript is a dynamically typed language, whereas languages like Java, where you do have to specify a variable's data type, are called statically typed languages. And then enough people were annoyed that JavaScript didn't have types that they created a whole other language called TypeScript, which is basically just JavaScript, but with type safety. And that's another example of where if you learn JavaScript, it's quite easy to like learn TypeScript on top of that. It's basically just JavaScript with extras. <laughs> so we've talked about backend, frontend, what a programming language is, and why there are so damn many. Now we're going to dive into four popular programming languages and when you might want to use them. Firstly, we have got JavaScript. So according to the University of Berkeley, the most popular language of 2022 is JavaScript. You can think of it like the Regina George of coding languages. That is the only way I'm going to describe JavaScript from now on. It is the Regina George of coding languages. And then TypeScript came along, and TypeScript is like Katie Heron trying to like steal Regina's thunder. JavaScript is used to manage the behavior of web pages and is one of the core technologies of the web. JavaScript allows web pages to be interactive, so if you click a button, something actually happens and the screen changes. You know, I do love it when on websites I click and something actually happens. Sometimes things don't happen, and that's when you know their JavaScript isn't working. And that's the developer's fault. (laughs) Oh, hey, that's us. (laughs) So JavaScript is one of three technologies required for interactive web pages. The other two are HTML and CSS, which were named as the third and fourth most popular languages, respectively. So now let's talk about HTML. HTML stands for Hypertext Markup Language. So it's technically a markup language, not a programming language, which just means that it's responsible for formatting the appearance of information on a website. So you can use HTML to structure where content will appear on your page. For example, you probably want to put a title at the top. You might want to put a drop-down menu on the left side. You can specify all of this with HTML. Some of the most basic elements of HTML include paragraphs, images, divs, which just stands for division, and headings. When I think of HTML, I just go back to my 2012 Tumblr days. Oh my gosh, the good old days of just like putting on, like you'd put the title tag on to make something look big and you'd be like, wow, I'm so high tech. I would edit one like line of code or I would like copy and paste someone else's code, like put it on my Tumblr HTML and I'd be like, yep, hacker girl. Oh yeah, that is every great hacker's origin story. But coming back to programming languages, something that goes hand in hand with HTML is CSS. So we know that HTML defines the structure of a web page and JavaScript manages the behavior when a user interacts with a web page. But what does CSS do? CSS stands for cascading style sheets and is used for styling a website. So you can use CSS to determine the size, color, and position of elements on a web page. The way this works is that HTML elements can have a special ID or a class on them. The special ID is then referred to in the CSS to change the way it's displayed. 
For example, let's say you have an HTML file with a title and a paragraph, and title and paragraph are their IDs, respectively. Respective, respectfully. <laughs> respectively. I respect the IDs of these elements. At Christmas time, maybe we want to change our site to be Christmas colors. So in the CSS, you can assign the color of the title to be green and the color of the paragraph to be red. Now if we go back up to our popular programming list to number two, we get Python like the snake. <laughs> Python is a great backend language, so that means you might use it for the logic parts of an app and use JavaScript for the pretty UI parts. And Python is described as a general purpose programming language. I feel like there's quite a lot you can do with Python. Like it's especially good for data science and data analysis. So in my fourth year of engineering, everyone has to do a fourth year honors project. And ours was about looking at the sentiment in code review comments. And we had to do a bunch of data analysis and we used Python to do that. And I think that was a really fun experience. And speaking of fun, YouTube and Google search were actually developed with Python. Wow, that is fun. <laughs> now that you've heard of four popular coding languages, JavaScript, HTML, CSS, and Python, how do you pick which one to start with? Well, that all depends on what you're interested in doing. If you're interested in user interfaces and creating pretty applications, front-end or web development might be better for you. As we said before, the most basic components of a website are JavaScript, HTML, and CSS. While you can start learning each one on its own, it's great to start with a framework. If we think of coding languages as ingredients, a framework is the recipe or how you use the ingredients to make food or a computer program. You don't need the framework or the recipe, but it does make life easier. And as a bonus, often frameworks provide a bunch of ready-made functionality to speed up the development process, which means you need to write less code. And trust me, developers love to write less code. So for example, two popular web development frameworks are React which is made by Facebook, and Angular, which is made by Google. And they both come with a bunch of functionality. If you want to get started with a JavaScript framework, there's a program called Create React App, which you can install and then create an entire web app by running one command. So definitely recommend looking that up if maybe front-end web development is something you're interested in. If you're more into logic and how everything works behind the scenes, you might want to start looking at some back-end development languages instead. And first of all, we have our trusty friend, Python. Python was built with the goal of getting rid of the complex and keeping only what was necessary. And because of this, Python is often easier to read and write and learn than most other major programming languages. And as we said before, it's super general and versatile. So you can use it for data analysis, automation scripts, machine learning, literally so many things. Now, another backend language that we haven't mentioned yet is Java, and that's not to be confused with JavaScript, which is a totally different language. So Java is another really popular language, and it's quite easy to learn. It's similar to a lot of other popular backend languages, so you might find it's a lot more translatable than Python if you tried to learn another language like C++ or C Sharp. Like we said, there's a lot of languages out there. Don't feel overwhelmed, it's okay. <laughs> I always feel overwhelmed, but thanks, Autie. <laughs> <laughs> I mean about this, not in life in general. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> and now it's time for me to shine with my fun fact, which doesn't seem so fun anymore that Autie has hyped me up. So JavaScript 
got its name from piggybacking off the popularity of Java. What? Oh my gosh, that's so... Unbelievable, right? Like, they literally just saw Java and they're like, oh, that's really popular. Let's just, like, chuck a script on that and hope for the best. So you're telling me that JavaScript is the, actually the Katie Heron of <gasps> Java where it took all the things that Java did, like Regina George, and then just, like, tried to play it off. Java's the original Regina George. Yeah. The OG. Java was actually the first language I properly learned at uni, and I remember being so confused when I first started out. So even if we're saying, like, these languages are easy to learn, please know there is still a steep learning curve. Like, it is hard to learn how to code, but we definitely recommend sticking with it because it's totally worth it. Now that you've heard about some of the most popular coding languages for both front-end and back-end and maybe you've even decided what language suits you best, let's talk about where you would even go to write code. Now, there are lots of ways and places you can write code, and today we're going to talk about three. IDEs, online playgrounds, and the command line. Like we discussed last episode, you can write code in an IDE, which stands for Integrated Development Environment. This is just an application that programmers use to write code, which comes with handy features like syntax highlighting and auto-completing your code, among other things. Some good starter IDEs are Visual Studio Code, IntelliJ, NetBeans, or Eclipse. So there are tons out there. And if you want to try giving things a go without committing to downloading anything, there are a ton of online playgrounds where you can write and run basic code. You can find these by literally Googling Python playground or C++ playground. One playground that's particularly great for front-end development is called CodePen, which allows you to write and run HTML, CSS, and JavaScript in one go. If there is a language you want to try but unsure how to start, I highly recommend Googling a playground, finding some code online, and pasting it in to try it out. Another place you can run code is the command line. So the command line is a user interface that's navigated by typing commands on your keyboard instead of using a mouse to click around. For example, instead of right-clicking or control-clicking on your desktop to create a new folder, you could type make directory and then put the folder's name on the command line and it does the same thing. The command line is just another app you can find on your computer. So on Mac, the command line is called terminal and you can just find it by searching for it. On Windows, the default command line is called Windows Command Prompt, and you can find this by typing CMD into the search bar. Every time I run things with the command line, I feel like a hacker. Literally, the command line is like you picture the hackers in movies with like the black and green screens, like That's typing things. What it is. That's the command line. Like, girl, you've got that on your computer. Become a hacker. You can do it. <laughs> now you have everything you need to start coding. You pick a language, pick a place to write code, and Google Hello World tutorial for that language, and you are off. But what is Hello World? We haven't heard about this before. A Hello World program is a super basic program that literally just displays Hello World on the screen. So it's a super simple way to get started getting your head around a language's syntax and how things actually work. Sometimes what I'll do is I'll have like a Hello World project and then I just change it to just say, my name is Audie. And then I'm like, wow, I'm a coder. Literally, you can just like find a coding project online and change a few things around and then you feel like a 
Coda Girl. It's, Coda Girl. it's a good way to get started. And that concludes our three-part series, Let's Get Hot Girls Coding. Hopefully by now you understand what coding is, have a grasp on some fundamental coding concepts like variables and syntax, and have picked out your fave coding language to get started on becoming a hot girl that codes. Our next episode, we're going to be stepping away from the technical concepts for a sec and talking all about a topic we are all too familiar with imposter syndrome dun 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 if you enjoyed this episode feel free to leave a rating and subscribe to hot girls code wherever you get your podcasts you can also follow us on instagram tiktok and twitter under hot underscore girls underscore code to keep up to date with the podcast and learn more about software development and being a woman in tech thanks for listening